Thanks to Audible.com for sponsoring this episode of Market Foolery. For a free 30-day trial, go to audible.com slash fool. It's Monday, May 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy Monday, Chance. Happy Monday. Is it going to be a better weather week? I mean, it's a it's a nice Monday. Are we the, gonna can we get a, a nice rest of the week? The weather's been kind of the weather's always the same in the studio. Well, I guess <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Mister, um, holding up in the cave. Exactly. We're gonna dip into the full mailbag. We're gonna get to two stocks going in very different directions. <laughs> um, but I, I should I should I, I feel like I should start today the way David Gardner started his podcast. Last week, which is uh, if if you're a listener, you heard something new, and that is we have an advertiser. Ah, yes. So we're we're very happy that Audible.com is is sponsoring our show this uh, this fine start to the week. So I guess and that's like when you hit a thousand podcasts, then you you gain sort of a level of credibility. Then, then where advertisers like, start to go, wait a minute, are those guys legit? Maybe, <laughs> maybe they're we'll, going to be around for a little maybe while. Maybe we'll give them a shot. Uh, don't jinx us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was the last we ever heard. Um, let's start with Lending Club, which reported first quarter profits in line with Wall Street's expectations. And no one, I mean no one, cares. And that is because the big news is that Renault Laplanche, who is the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Lending Club, has resigned effective immediately following an internal investigation. Uh, Jason, apparently the Something involving the sale of loans that violated the company's business practices. So this was not a a personal indiscretion. This appears to be very much a business indiscretion, and he's out the door, and the stock is plunging. The stock down twenty five percent, and this is very different from what we saw with Priceline because with Priceline, Darren Houston left effective immediately. The stock maybe dipped one or two percent, something like that, because you had the former CEO coming in, taking um, taking the wheel of the car. And in this case, uh, you and I were talking about this earlier this morning. This this isn't just we're getting rid of the bad apple. This this goes right to the heart of trust for this business. Sure, yeah. I mean, the other difference between. Um this stock and Priceline stock is that Priceline stock has done very well for investors. I mean, ever since uh, ever since Lending Club went public, I mean, this has really just been a straight sort of a downhill uh, path for shareholders. So it's not worked out very well so far. And I I think that with this with this situation, you look at a business like this, paramount for this business. I mean, really, the most important thing for them is the reputation as a legitimate provider, because I think that. It's still relatively new. It's kind of like crowdsourcing lending, sort of a a just sort of a startup sort of loan crowdsourcing thing. I mean, if you're not seen as being a reputable provider, then I mean, I don't know why anybody would even bother using your platform, right? And and once you've lost that reputation, it's 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 almost almost impossible to get back. I would think in this case. because ultimately, all it takes is for the activity to dry up, and then these guys are basically out of business. I mean, the idea that, from the perspective of someone in need of capital, this could be pretty attractive. Because I can appreciate back in back when I worked at Bank of America for a time, and I and I helped facilitate a couple of small business administration loans, SBA loans, that were very hard. I mean, they were like pulling teeth. The process, the time involved, it was just not a pleasant experience for me, 
not an, a pleasant experience for the for the person borrowing the funds. And so now, as we always say, the internet is just disrupting things left and right. And this is another one where it, it could it could end pretty well uh, for this type of market. But again, I mean, if you don't have a reputation as being an on the level provider, I mean, the idea behind this is that it's easier for the borrower to get the money. And and the idea behind that is that it's going to be less beholden to banking regulations and and things of that nature because you're kind of pooling from high capital, high net worth investors that, that want to be a part of this, and that, that their way of investing is by lending money on this platform. Um, so I mean, I mean, reputation is everything in this business, and I I think the skepticism alone. Was what was giving the stock a hard time, and I think this is more or less just the icing on the cake. I have to agree. Yeah, not only not listening to your client's request, but then altering documents to try and make them fit the request. Yeah, that's not. Uh, good. Yeah, so not only were they doing it, but they're trying to hide it at the yeah. same time. So questionable. And so you see the. I believe I read that just the market for this in general is drying up. And now when you do this, yeah. you're gonna. Just basically give all the business that you could have tried to scrounge up to your competitors who aren't public. And it does seem like a, a little bit like we've talked about before in the automotive industry, where if one auto company has any kind of significant recall, the other automotive companies just sort of shake their head. Not, you know, because they're, they're not popping the champagne because, well, it, they had the recall and we didn't. They know this. This hurts the entire industry. Yeah. And if you're a competitor of Lending Club, you're not happy about this because this is the sort of thing that just raises more doubts about the validity of of the process. I, I couldn't disagree or couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, especially with the ones that aren't public because you're wondering how transparent are they if they don't have to publicly disclose these documents, whereas Lending Club does, and they're still trying to skirt the system. Yeah, and they make their money. From transactions fees, service fees, management fees. I mean, the incentive for them is to facilitate more and more deals. Um, I don't even think it's necessarily the scope of the deal. It's just volume, right? And at some point, that volume starts to dry up, and then you have to wonder, from a business perspective, how, what other direction could this company go to make money? Because on the surface, you look at a business like this and you think, wow, it's capital light. That's Probably going to be great margins there. Uh, I mean, you got to think it's it's a it's a pretty attractive looking market opportunity there. There's potential for some pretty awesome network effects there. Um, but but without the reputation, then none of that really even matters. And and at the end of the day, uh, I I just I'm not sure I see I, I see a lot more I see plenty more challenges for this kind of a business going forward because they're not FDIC regulated right now, and that's fine. There's some puts and takes that come with that. But I think in general. These are the types of events where it will be put under closer scrutiny, potentially here in D.C. Uh, they'll start looking to to bring more regulation into into the fold there, and then that that takes this entire business's cost structure in in a, in a completely different direction. And and for investors, that just may not work out very well at all. And the thing is, this isn't even like this is a very high highly shorted stock. I mean, the short interest on the stock today isn't anything out of whack. It's like twenty percent of the float. So you can't even look at it and think, well, maybe there'll be a short squeeze at some point with any good news. I mean, I wouldn't even look at it from that perspective. I I, I don't know necessarily what the catalyst is that turns this thing around. I don't think new leadership on its own will do that. And so, I mean, I think with investors, I mean, I remember we took a lot of questions when these companies first went public. It's it's like Lending Club and there's On Deck and 
it's neat to think about the ways that sort of this the sharing economy has has, has opened new opportunities. But but I would also look at these uh, with, with more skepticism than anything else. They need to prove uh, their sustainability, and and right now they're just not meeting that burden. Shares of Krispy Kreme donuts up 24% on the news that the company is being taken private by JAB Beach in a deal worth $1.35 billion, $21 a share. And North Carolina native Taylor Muckerman, when you look at how the stock is trading within, I think, six cents of that $21 mark, mm-hmm. that tells me there's a lot of confidence that this, this is all but delivered. Yeah, I would assume in this JAB. Um you know they're kind of trying to turn themselves into a Starbucks almost. They've right. Pete's Coffee, Caribou Coffee, I think Keurig. We talked about Einstein at the end bagels. of last year. Einstein bagels now Krispy Kreme. So as a Starbucks shareholder, I'm kind of like, what the heck is going on here? They're <laughs> kind of you know turning themselves into a one-stop shop food and coffee um, vendor. So um, I think it's probably a good move for them. Um, very international in terms of. The, the spread out of their business, 73%, I think, in terms of store count, resides outside of the United States um, with great expectations for double-digit growth moving forward. So, um, I think they've seen great results from their franchisee model, and they're starting to, I think, emphasize that a little bit more rather than the store-owned. So, it's interesting, much much cheaper um, than the Keurig acquisition, which I think was $13 billion. Um, so, German company focusing on international coffee. And, you know, you look at, I looked at their presentation from Krispy Kreme and it really fits. I mean, they're trying to accelerate attachment by making coffee part of their cultural DNA. So they're not, they're much, trying to be much more than just donuts. Yeah, we've seen a lot of businesses out there that are really pursuing that breakfast opportunity. I mean, I mean, it's Yum Brands, mm-hmm. it's Starbucks, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, certainly. Burger and King bought Tim Hortons. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you, you see this, this, Pretty much falls in line with this. I mean, I think this is probably this gives Krispy Kreme probably the best opportunity to grow in sort of a profitable and meaningful way because it makes them part of something bigger where they can realize efficiencies in the supply chain there, probably get far better distribution and probably better leadership, really, expertise in this industry. Um, You mentioned Starbucks, and it just it always it strikes me still even to this day. And I'm a, I'm a Starbucks guy, love it, but you know, I mean, they've just gotten so far without ever getting the food part right. Yeah, it's still it's not there. And um, I mean, at that La Boulange acquisition, I think we thought would would do that, and it really hasn't. I I think had any kind of a material effect. So you see this between Einstein bagels and Krispy Kreme donuts and, and coffee at the Yin Yang. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a really a, a big opportunity there to grow to, to grow that sort of presence. Um, on a very, very uh, global scale, uh, they they paid up for this acquisition, which is interesting. I mean, they paid more than forty times trailing earnings yeah. for for what is is not been a very good investment story um, for investors, so to speak. So I, I think they see a lot of missed opportunity there, and and maybe uh, something that they can can really uh, turn around. Yeah, this is, Krispy Kreme Donuts, not the greatest run in terms of public companies, and w- absolutely one of those stocks that, depending on when you bought it, the, the, there were certainly times where you could have bought Krispy Kreme Donut shares and done quite well with Single them. Single-digit yeah. range. Yeah. But not 
not over an extended period of time. No. And uh, I think it was maybe 15 years ago they had they had some accounting irregularities of their own or or if not accounting irregularities there was something going on there where the stock went from like 40 to 10. Yeah, it was, it, it was it, accounting it, issues. Yeah, so Holes so, in more than just the donuts over there. Exactly, um, but it does. It does seem like it's it's probably better off as a private company. I think so. But but I, I don't know. I, I saw I saw one thing online where someone was trying to, uh, and this this goes a little bit to what you were saying earlier, Taylor. Someone was trying to make this out as a victory for Dunkin' Brands, and I just thought, no, no, not really, because it's not. Krispy Kreme Donuts is going away. That's right, they're no, closing yeah. up shop. No, they're just going private. And as we've seen, we've certainly seen that with Dell. We've seen that with a bunch of other companies where you know you you go you go private, you get the ship right, and in some ways you become a tougher competitor. Different funding options, more flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, I think with Duncan Brands, um, it, I, I was on Sunday, which was Mother's Day, so I woke up early and. Went and got my better half some donuts for breakfast. Because nothing says Happy Mother's Day like a bunch of donuts. Of course. (laughs) Exactly. It was was what she wanted. Um, But I went to Dunkin' Donuts because that's the closest place to our house. And I I mean, I'm going to tell you what, I mean, the thing that I'm. I'm watching this closely with Dunkin' Brands is these, these stores now, their menus are becoming. I mean, very, very involved. They are offering all sorts of different options now, from mm-hmm. sandwiches to donuts and everything in between. So the, the the components of that menu, the ingredients that make up that menu, are getting more and more uh, convoluted. I think more and more difficult to manage. So I, I mean, from an investor's perspective, that's a concern I would actually have with Dunkin' Donuts, um, and, and perhaps with Krispy Kreme, uh, we'll see. A sole focus on on more really what doing doing what they do well right, which is donuts. That's what it's always been. Um, I'm a, I'm I'm a little nervous about Duncan trying to really branch out into all of these other um, options because I just I just wonder how that's going to affect ultimately the in store experience, uh, the supply chain management, etc. From an investor's perspective, it's asked McDonald's how an expanded menu works. Sure, out. Yeah. yeah, you've seen it go both ways. I mean, we've seen that story play out before. Yeah, they're turning the ship around, trying sure. to retreat from how many menu options they're they're providing. Well, we've got this new Dunkin' Donuts across the street from our office. Really? <laughs> oh, is that where you got? That? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. that's where you can find me pretty much every day. <laughs> um, but I've I've been I've noticed the exact same thing as you, just in terms of how many options are in the menu. Mm-hmm. But to this point, I've been impressed with the throughput. Yeah. There, that they yes, there's a line at times, but they move it through pretty quickly, because that was one of my first thoughts when I walked in there. I was like, wow, I'm not sure how you're going to be able to get everyone in and out of here with all of these different, all of these different items. But mm-hmm. uh, so far, they seem to be doing a pretty good job. Absolutely. Thank you to Audible.com for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Uh, Audible.com is the leading provider of audiobooks, with more than 250,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction. <laughs> periodicals. If you're listening to this in your car or doing chores around the house or anything like that, hey, you know what? You can you can listen to a book on, from audible.com because uh, we're, we're getting ready to kick off summer. And I can tell you right now, and longtime listeners already know this, we're going to be taking a little time off at some point. <laughs> yeah. There will be there will be a few days here and there where we're, we're having the proverbial short week. So, you might want to check out a little something from audible.com just as a backup. And for our dozens of listeners, Audible is offering a free 30-day trial. Just go to audible.com/fool 
and check out the more than 250,000 audio programs. You can download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. You've heard me talk before about Michael Lewis's great book, The Big Short. You can get the Audible version of that. Just go to audible.com slash fool. That's audible.com slash fool for a free 30-day trial. Marketfoolery at fool.com is our email address from Matt Holzman in Denver, Colorado. You guys regularly talk about how important it is for companies to be transparent with their shareholders. Recently, I noticed that Microsoft seems to have taken it to a new level with Power BI interactive charts for their earnings release. I'm assuming Power BI is a brand of some sort. Um, Matt writes, while not too interactive just yet, it's certainly far more than I get from other companies. Do you think this will catch on with other public companies? What additional interactivity would you like or expect to see from companies if this concept catches on? Great question. And I think that, and this is something we probably take for granted now, but it's really only been in the last 15 years or so that companies have been as transparent as they have been to this point. You go back to 2000 and earlier, and Plenty of companies were not opening up their conference calls to individual investors like us. So it's a great trend. And to Matt's question, it seems like Microsoft's like, well, how else can we be transparent? How else can we make this interesting and value added for shareholders? Outside of just PowerPoints and transcripts. Yeah. I I didn't dive in to take a direct look at it, but it seems like you know, a way to get more individual investors involved. Um, I'd be interested to see if they they had slide scales to like show kind of kind of like being able to adjust your own metrics based on what the past history of uh, of Microsoft has done. Just kind of fool around with it a little bit, but just showing the actual data in a more interactive manner, I think, is a great idea, especially for a technology company. Oh what yeah, you know? no, no, no. I mean, it's a I'm... company that invented Excel. Yes. Should be able to do this <laughs> yeah. with its eyes closed. Yeah, it's probably easy for them to make that leap of just <laughs> offering a little a, a little bone for investors. Yeah. Because I think, generally speaking, for the longest time, um, the individual investor probably looks at a company's earnings release and or the transcript as full of a bunch of esoteric terminology mm-hmm. that really doesn't mean anything to them, or they're not going to be able to get a grasp on it, or they're going to feel like management is really just sort of framing it up however they want to frame it with GAP versus non-GAP and, and all that good stuff. But I, I think that... Um, we're seeing a lot of this kind of stuff, which I, I, I applaud every company that is looking to do something different on this front. And I mean, we've seen, um, I mean, we've seen Netflix take to YouTube to offer sort of a video component there. We've seen the same thing from Twitter, where they go through Periscope and offer that live um, call, where you're actually watching management go through the release and watching them field these questions and how they react to it. Um, Somebody hit me on Twitter not long ago asking me when might we see uh, the Amazon Echo channel Amazon's uh, investor calls. Unfortunately, there I think Amazon, you're probably just better off not even having a call because they keep so many cards <laughs> close to the vest. You're not going to learn much beyond the release anyway. But um, I, I think this is all great. I think any any company. Any any leadership team that has the interest in making their company more transparent, more relatable to investors, we're on board with that for sure. And and I think honestly that helps sort of develop a level of trust that should make investors like us who are buying to hold for longer periods of time 
feel better about those businesses. And it's also a demonstration of confidence on the part of management, no not just question. from the standpoint of, oh, th- we feel like we did well this quarter. But anytime something like this happens, there has to be, or I would be very surprised if there wasn't, a very serious conversation back and forth. In this case, it's Microsoft, where there are people on the other side saying, you know what, this is a bad idea, because <laughs> if, if we do this, it's a slippery slope, and and ultimately, the voices in the room that were saying, "No, we, we we can do this. We should do this." And you know, to the point you guys made, better that it comes from a Microsoft because if it came from Exxon Mobil or Ford Motor, like can you imagine a, like oh, yeah. a non tradition, like a not what we don't think of as a tech company? It's yeah. like, hey, guess what? <laughs> we're, we're changing we're, things. We're up. live streaming this, and we've got interactive charts. It's like really live from the oil rig. Yeah, a, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way inter- Target Target's got interactive charts. Well, I mean, information now is so readily accessible, and I mean that used to be really the big differentiator, right? I mean. For for so many years, we, we hear the stories about how Buffett would would go into the basement of S and P library and, and read through calls, or to get all the information he could, because information wasn't readily available. Now you get it at the snap of a finger, and so it's far more difficult for a company to hide anything to begin with. And and uh, and the businesses that that look at that and then say, hey, this is an opportunity for us to even. Be more on the level with with our investors and really earn their trust because I mean that's what investing really is at the end of the day. I mean, we're we're looking for a lot of these great businesses, but even the great businesses, you're taking some measure of a leap of faith. Um, ideally, you want to you want to make that that leap of faith as as small a leap as you possibly can, and, and I think that's easy to do these days with the way we can get information. The fact that we have management uh, leadership teams out there that that want to participate in that. Um, I, to me, those are the kinds of businesses that I really want to follow, pay attention to, because you feel more and more like those are the businesses that are really being upfront and honest. And it's not to say they're always painting a rosy picture mm-hmm. either. Yeah. I mean, we talk about investing, and you want to always talk about your mistakes, right? It's not about just touting your winners. I mean, get out there and tout your losers too, because you're going to learn a lot from them. And, and so when we see uh, management teams uh, get out there and talk about the good and the bad. And, and invite questions and, and, and more understanding. I mean, that, that ultimately only makes us better as investors anyway. Taylor Rucker and Jason Moser, thanks for being here, guys. Yes, Thank sir. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.